Sometimes we see the gifts become the focus. And that's not, that's not really what it's supposed to be, but what is supposed to be the focus? I mean, what, what is, I mean, he gives us the gifts, and, and, and Paul even says, you know, I want you to eagerly desire the gifts. So it's not that the gifts are bad, but we as fallen humans have a tendency to take them and do all sorts of interesting things with them in the name of God, which we've done a lot of times. So we're going we're gonna to look at this. Um, the two, two places that we're going to start, we're going to start in Acts chapter 8. So go ahead and, and, and flip there. And then we're going to spend a lot of time in uh, 1 Corinthians, well not, maybe not a lot of time, 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. You can mark those, but we're, we'll get those to those later. And we're going to try to put it up on the, on the screen for you as we go. Um, now, this, this first character, this is an interesting character, um, and not one that, that we teach a lot on just because of, of who he is, but we're going to start off with, with a, a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. And uh, we, we read about him in Acts chapter 8, and, uh, and, and, and this is on after the church has been in Jerusalem, has been, there's been a persecution that's broken out, and the church has been scattered, and the church goes out into to all the land. And, uh, and we're going to start in chapter, uh, verse 9. And it says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed, and he was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Let's stop there just for a second. So we have a man who thinks like a man in the world, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's got prestige, right? He, the, his pride, the, the, the pride of man, those, the, those things that we deal with, people are looking to him, okay? And, but now we see that, 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 that Philip has shown up, he's believed the, the, the message, and he's been baptized, okay? He's now a believer, and we have this age-old problem with, with Simon that, yes, he's now in the kingdom of God, but he still has to deal with his prior baggage, all the stuff that he's accumulated. Because when we get saved, it's not like all that stuff just falls away. Sometimes, sometimes God will just instantly deliver us from things. But there's a lot of things that, that, that the thinking, the, the way that we process things, the way that we do things, that, that are that we've been living in the world and we think like the world does and we do things like the world does. And now we see Simon has been taken out of that. He's been placed into the kingdom of God. But we're going to look at, and see what his thinking looks like because it's, it's one of the things that was happening was Simon was preaching the gospel, but we know that when he was preaching the gospel, there were signs and miracles that were also happening. And so he, you know, we notice that he's, he's astonished by these, these signs and miracles. Um, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, this is verse 14, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, now... That goes back to what Jeff has been preaching on. With the this is where the the Holy Spirit was poured out in Samaria. Verse eighteen: When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, "Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay hands, or on whom I lay my hands, may receive the Holy Spirit." And Peter answered, "May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money." You have no part of their the part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He will forgive you and have such a thought for for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and a captive to sin. Then Simon answered, "Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me." You know. Now, 
I read this, and, and, and you know, you, you think about, well, you know, he's a sorcerer and, you know, a lot of bad stuff. But, you know, when I look at the church and we look, start looking at the gifts, and, and we go over to Corinthians and we look at what Paul was dealing with in the church in Corinth, which Jeff covered last week a little bit, you know, with all of the, the abuses and the things that were going on with the gifts. The, see, the issue here is a heart issue. The issue is that, that Simon, when he was looking at this, was looking at it as something of, what can I get out of this? The, the gift was, was something, it wasn't, it wasn't a gift for him. He didn't realize what it was for. He, 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 he approached the gift as, wow, this is something cool. I really want that. How many of you go to the store and you walk in the store and, and you really don't have this happens every now and then because my wife will go shopping and I really have no, nothing that I want. So I go in the store with her and I'm walking up and down the aisles just kind of looking. You know, I have no real purpose. I'm not really there for any particular reason. I'm just there just kind of shopping or whatever. And there's something on the shelf that catches your attention. Wow, that looks pretty cool. And you go over and you start looking at it. And before you know it, you're at the counter paying your money because... There's this neat new thing that you just found. You don't really know a whole lot about it. You, you really, you may or may not have a, you know, you can kind of, well, you know, I could use it for this or I could use it for that, but you didn't really go in there with any kind of idea of this is what I'm looking for. We just kind of, it's just kind of there. And a lot of times I think we do the same thing with the gifts. I mean, we kind of read about them and we say, oh, well, the gifts are, here they are, and and, uh, and, you know, we have the list, and I'm sure Jeff will be getting into all the different, you know, things that the Bible lists as gifts and the, 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 the gifts of the ministry and the manifestational gifts. And, you know, the Bible has, a, you know, quite a bit to say about those things. But a lot of times we hear about those things, and then we just kind of, okay, well, that, I think I'd like that, and I'd like this, and I'd like that. And a lot of times it has to do with how we think it's going to benefit us. You know, that would be cool to have. We don't really know why it would be cool to have that. We just, that would be cool to have. And the thing that we want, I really felt like that we needed to talk about today, that the Lord was really impressed, is why do we have the gifts? Why, why are we even having a discussion about this? Because, you know, the, the, the whole thing kind of boils down to as Christians, this concept or we, it's, it's, uh, of maturity versus immaturity, that the immaturity is, is having that selfish, self-serving character that, that, that it's, it's kind of all about us. It's maybe something what we're going to accomplish or what we're going to, you know, it's, it always starts off with, with me, 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 me. And, and sometimes the, the ideas can be good ideas but it's us trying to work it out. It's us trying to make it happen. It's us trying to... And see, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. The mature Christian is going to have the character of Christ. And, 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 and in the, that character, we see love and humility. And we see us setting aside our agenda and really seeking God for what He's wanting to do. And, and when we do that all of a sudden these gifts become tools to accomplish what God is trying to do. Outside of that, it's kind of like a good example is my son. You know, I have a six-year-old son, and, and he's at that age where he's you know, dad's helper. You know? And um, so I'm out you know, working on something. I've got my hammer, and I've you know, got all this stuff, and I'm, I'm working. And, Dad, Dad, can I, can I borrow the hammer? You know? Sure, son, just don't whack your finger. Go, go, you know, do whatever. He takes the hammer and he runs off around the corner. Well, 10 minutes later, I'm looking for the hammer. It's nowhere to be found. He's got it around back. He's building something. I don't know what it is, but he's, he's doing, he's got this thing he's building. And I think a lot of times, it's not that, you know, we can take things away from God, but it's kind of that same deal. He's, he has a plan and a purpose and we take things and use them for, or try to use them for all these different things that if, if we would really get in tune with what he's doing, we would really see 
miraculous things. We would really see the early church. You know, the, 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 um, getting to the purposes of the gift, gifts, you know, um, do we have 1 Corinthians 14? You know, 1 Corinthians 14 starts to go into the, uh, uh, Paul's, Paul's explaining, he just went through a, a list, but then he's talking about, you know, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gog or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. And we go into the, the verse, you know, Jeff alluded to it last week, that we always see at the, at the wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's actually Corinthians 13, I'm sorry. Um, and so in this, what we're seeing, we're seeing that's, ma- that's maturity. I mean, love is maturity. Love, the scripture says that God is love. If, we're, if we are reflecting love, then we're reflecting the, 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 the nature and the character of God. And then when, so when we use these, these gifts, when we have these things that, 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 we, that, that we've been given, we're going to use them in the context of, of love, in the context of that character. Um, You know, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says that, that the gifts, he, he goes through and he's talking about the difference between tongues and, and of, of, uh, of prophecy. And, and he comes to the, this is Paul, and he comes to the statement that, that, uh, that the gifts are for the strengthening and encouragement and comfort of men. That, 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 that prophecy, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strength, encouragement, and comfort. And so we see that, that the gifts, some of the gifts are for that. And we also see that tongues in some other scriptures basically says the same thing, but it says it's, but it's for our edification. It's the same strengthening, encouragement, and comfort, but it's for, for us. And then there's some that are, are for others. And but the whole, the, the total of them is, are, would come under this strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And so a lot of times we like to think of that as the context of the church, right? But this leads, this is kind of a leading question of the purpose, which is what is God's heart toward man, okay? Because we have to, I mean, if, if, we're, if we're talking about these gifts and we're talking about the church and we're talking about the church having and using these gifts, if, if we don't understand the purpose, the heart of God, what, what God's trying to accomplish, then we're going to be, like we just said, we're just going to have random things that we do with them. We're going to have you know, these, these ideas of, well, maybe I should do this or do that. The, the issue is this. You know, part of it has to do with our, our view of, of God. One, you know, how many of us understand that when, when we, we look at God, God is so immense that and his character encompasses so much that a lot of times we will focus as an individual, we focus on one aspect of God. And so what happens is, you know, we'll have one person that really focuses on the judgment of God. And, 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 you know, the, the, the power and the authority that he has, he's, that he's going to come and he's going to judge. But then we may have another person that focuses on the grace of God, the mercy of God. And, and the reality is, is that is in God's character on both sides, that, that he is a God of judgment, that he, is, he does judge, he is just, but he's also a God of mercy and he extends grace and, and he balances that. We have a hard time with that sometimes. We, we, fall, we, we have a tendency to fall on one side or the other and, and be heavy on one or the other. 
The same thing is kind of our view of God. A lot of times we will have a, a view of God that he's so a big, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, you can write this down, you don't have to go there, but Colossians 1.16, this is talking about Jesus, but it says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So we see that God created everything. Genesis, the whole first part of Genesis, Genesis, God's creating everything. He's a big God. The, the, and that's true. I mean, if you've ever watched Discovery Channel or anything, and you, 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 you see the galaxies and the ga- you know, galaxy, and the ga- I, mean, I mean, the earth is really small compared to everything else that's out there. And you think that God created all of that. And, and our view of him can be somewhat impersonal if, if that's all we really see God to be because he's so big. I mean, who am I to him? I mean, he created all of this. I'm, I'm just small. The other, the other side of that is God knows the hairs on our head. I mean, Matthew 10, 21, or I'm sorry, Matthew 10, 29 says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? This is Jesus talking. Yet not one of them fall to the ground apart from the will of our Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. And so on the other side of this, we see that God is so immense. Yes, he created everything, but he's actually so all-knowing. He actually knows how many hairs are on your head. I've noticed over the last year or so, I think my count's going down a little bit. But, but he knows that too, you know. He knows, I mean, he's, he's that intimate with us that he would actually know how many hairs are on your head. I don't even know that about myself. I don't have the time either. I don't know, you know. But, I mean, he's that intimate with us. Um, Psalms 139, this is one of my favorite psalms, um, and we're going to read 1 through 12. I'll give you a second to, to flip over there. And this is David, and, and you know, David was, if, if there's a picture of someone who's intimate with God, you know, if you're, if you're really interested in intimacy with God, I, I encourage you, go, go read Psalms. You know, look at, look, read, read about David and the things that he went through, and then look at, at the writings and the things that he did. Um, you know, all of this, all of that is about his fellowship with the Lord. And, and uh, Psalms 139, I, I think, is, is a, an excellent example. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. David had an intimate fellowship with the Lord. You can't read that and, 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 and go, well, you know, David just thought God was this, this far-off deity that, you know, he just worshipped. I mean... God was real to him. He had spent enough time with God that, that he knew that God, that God cared about him, that he knew about all of these little intricate details of his life. You know, John writes about um, being in the light as he is in the light, that if we have fellowship with him, we fellowship with him, that, that, that intimacy that, we, that he has. So he's not talking about a distant God. And the reason I bring this up is because in this intimacy, this is where we, where we connect with God and we come to understand the heart of God. That as, as we interact with God, his, his, our heart, you know, 
The, words, the Word tells us Christ is in us and we are in Christ. It's not really our heart that we're talking about. What we're really talking about is allowing God's heart to flow out of us. That, that we set ourselves aside, that we're mature enough to set our, side, our, our ambitions, all those, those things that clutter everything, and allow God to manifest Himself out of us so that His heart is exposed to who? To the world. You know, in, in, in economics, um, any economic majors in here? Anybody who took take economics? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you. You wrote, you wrote your hand, you put your hand up. Okay, value is based on what? What determines value? <laughs> Supply and demand. Actually, value is determined by how much somebody is willing to pay. Value, I mean, if I could have, I mean, I could have something I think is, is really great, and I can put any kind of value on it or not, but really value is determined by somebody in this room what you're willing to pay for that item, right? So, so I ask that question because when we talk about God and we talk about God's heart, what does God value? He values us. What, what was God willing to pay for man? Christ, his, himself, basically. He was, he was willing to give his son up to die on a cross for each person in this room. That's the value that he places on each person in this room. That's the value he places on the people that you come in contact with every day at work and in your school, in the grocery store. See, that, that, that is God's heart. And, and when we start talking about this and we, when we become intimate with God, you know, we can look at reaching the world as some duty that we're supposed to have. That, that, you know, well, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to, you know, go preach the word and, you know, all this kind of... You know, it's, it's kind of like what, what Paul was saying with the gifts. That, that if, 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 if we don't have love, if we don't have the heart of God, it's just a banging gong, clanging cymbal. It doesn't mean anything. People, it's just you speaking. It's the, it's the heart of God that we have to allow to, to come forward. In Second Peter, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some uh, understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, we, we've talked, I'm sure everybody has talked about this, that the, uh, you know, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, uh, 18, when Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We see the same thing in Mark 16, 15. Um, Acts 1. Um, and... You know, Matthew 24, it says, uh, verse 3, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? He's talking about the end times. And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and I and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of their increased wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
And we see that, that this is, that, that this is a, a, the Great Commission was, is a part of an overall plan, something that, that God is working out to the end. And part of that plan is that, that the gospel will be preached to all nations. That it's going to go, it's going as, it stand, as it is right now, you know, there are parts of the world that have not been reached, but it's, it's, it's getting less and less. I mean, you know, the, 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 the church, you know, I think sometimes we look at that and, and we think of it as, as like a, some goal. If we can just get the, the word to, to, you know, go all the way around. The, but it's not just it goes out one time, but it's, it's that the, just like in the beginning when God created man and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. You know, man was made in his image. He wants his image, his heart, to be expressed in all corners of the world. That it's not just us going and, okay, I've told you now, and you go on to something, something else, and okay, that, that's it. It's that he's wanting the, the expression of who he is everywhere. It's more than just a command. And the church, I think a lot of, in, in a lot of, we've, we've had a, this problem that we as individuals, and, and, and I'm speaking as, as a part of the body of the church, we as individuals a lot of times will stand back and there's a lot going on. There's, you know, we've got, we've got work, we've got all these different things that are going on, we've got our own sets of problems and things that are happening. And we don't, we would never come outright and say this, but a lot of times we act like, you know, Pastor Jeff that's up here, well, that, he's kind of, he's our speaker. He's, he's, he's the one, you know, we're backing him to go out and get things done. And and to a certain degree, yeah, he, he's here for that, but he can't do everything. And I'm not talking about just this church, so don't, don't I'm, I'm just talking about the church as, as a whole. Because if you look at what the church as a whole has done, you know, the, the, the nation the, of the United States, you know, if you asked, oh, 20, 30 years ago, generally just asked people in passing, they would say that they were a Christian. I mean, because the, the United States was seen as a Christian nation. I mean, if you go over to Turkey, we did a lot of missions uh, in Turkey. And, and one of the things about Turkey that's so difficult is there's an expression in Turkey that, that to, to be a Turk is to be Muslim. And so it doesn't matter, I mean, if, if they're really practicing Muslim or not, they, they equate being Turkish to being Muslim. And even though they've gone secular, and a lot of them at this point don't, aren't practicing, they still would consider themselves Muslim. Well, 20, 30 years ago, the United States had kind of moved, in my opinion, had moved into that same kind of concept. That if you asked a general person, they would say, yes, I'm a Christian, but if you really probed and asked, they were, they were American, and you know, because we're American, we're Christian. And, and the church... The church now is faced with the situation where we're moving even farther from that. If you ask a lot of people, they won't even say they're a Christian anymore. It's kind of like we've slid that much. And the issue is that we, as, as, as the church, have not conveyed the heart to a world that's lost. We've expected... We've come in here on Sunday morning and we expect the preacher to go out or the missionary that we hire to go out. We expect all these, all these different people to, to, to do the work and we, we forget or we're uncomfortable with the fact that, that we are the body of Christ, that we are the expression to those people that we come in contact with every day. And it doesn't mean that we walk around and we, you know, hit people over the head with the Bible and turn and burn and you know, but that we're there to meet them in their in their in their need. That there's that person that's hurting, or that person that that's 
that, that, that we have, have so, such an intimate relationship with God that God's heart toward that person comes out in our conversation to that person. That, 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 that we, that we are, as a body, are prepared in that sense. That, that, you know, if we just come in here on Sunday morning and we hear the message and, and we kind of go on our way, and, and, but we don't ever really take the time to have fellowship or to have, have that communion with God, then when opportunities present themselves, it's, it's, it's just us. We, we haven't learned, we haven't matured to the point where we can be led by the Spirit to connect with that person with the heart of God. And, and we miss opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And I think a lot of the things that we're seeing in our country right now is because of that very issue. Because, because we may have gotten out there and preached because we felt like that that was what we were supposed to do, but we didn't convey the heart of God. And because of that, they saw religion, but they didn't see God. And to be real honest, religion doesn't look very good. It, 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 it's, it's hollow. You might, you might try it for a while, but it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't do anything. You know, this, and I really, I really want you to hear this. I'm not, this, this is not to, to, to beat us up. This is not to say, you know, you've been bad. It's not to condemn or, but, but it's a reality that we need to understand. And when we start talking about the gifts, you know, look in Acts. What, what were the gifts for? Well, they were for edification and for building up. But it, when you see them working in Acts, it would, the gifts were not for Sunday morning and for the church to have a feel-good service and, you know, I'll give you a word and you do this. The gifts were for you and that person in the grocery store. And you have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or something that God gives you for that person that puts a stamp on that and says, you know what? God cares. God is here. It's not something for us to play with and to... to, to you know, oh yeah, this is really cool, and you know, my gift's better than your gift, and all these things that we saw. The gifts are there so that we can go to a lost and dying world and have power to minister in the name of God. The, the God that created the heavens and the earth. To put us, to put it, you know, I heard something on the news the other day, and I'm, I'm not even sure what context this was in, so I, I don't know how much credence to give it, although I would not say that's probably not true. Um, they were making the statement, I don't know if it was in the United States or worldwide, but that uh, the, uh, uh, and this was a, a secular radio station, they, they just in passing, you know, those little nurse, uh, news blurbs that they put out there, that um, uh, the uh, Muslim, um, oh, what's the, the, Term. The, the number of people who have converted to Muslim and are practicing Muslims that are you know signed up or whatever had surpassed the Catholic Church. That 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 you know that religion is on the rise and they, I guess that's what they were trying to say is that you know stir up what they can. But you know you say well why why is that? Well it's because the church is for the most part pretty silent. We're not, we're not saying a whole lot. We're not, we're not out there with, with power. And it's not that it's not available to us. It's the problem is we're not putting, we're not allowing God to work through us to reach. You know, some of, some of the most interesting, I think back to, to times in my life where God has done some really amazing things. And, um, and they're, fun to re- they're fun to remember. They're fun to... to, to but, you know, every one of them, God was reaching somebody else. I remember a time in a, a and this seems real simple, but, but we were doing, a, we, we did a lot of outreach with teenagers. And we had gone to a box maze. And I don't know if you know what a box maze is, where you take a bunch of cardboard and you tape it all together and you make this big, huge maze. And you, the teenagers, you crawl in one end of it 
and it's pitch black in there. You can't see anything. And literally, it took an hour and a half for them to come out the other side. I mean, you're crawling around in there, and then somebody would, you know, you'd end up head-to-head -head with somebody, and then you have to figure out how to back out, and, you know, a lot of fun. You can hear them all in there yelling and carrying on, having a good time. And there was this, this one kid that um, had come and didn't know him, didn't know anything about him. I can't even remember his name at this point. And uh, he went to climb into the tunnel, and they had this, like, black plastic, and as he climbed into the tunnel, he instantly shot out. It looked like he came out of a cannon or something. I mean, it was like, I mean, and I watched, I was like, <laughs> I thought somebody had kicked him or something. I didn't know what was going on. I was kind of watching to see what happened. And um, the Lord just dropped a word and said, you know, you need to bind a spirit of fear and tell him that I care that he has fun. And I went over and I talked to him. I said, you know, what, what's going on? He said, I can't do it. I said, well, what's wrong? He said, I'm claustrophobic. I can't go in there. And, and the look on his face, he wanted to go in. He so wanted to have fun, but he couldn't do it. He could hear everybody having a good time. He wanted to participate, but he couldn't. I grabbed another guy. We prayed for him. We bound the spirit of fear. He climbed in there. He was in there for two hours. <laughs> and I guarantee you, I do not know. All that was was a seed that was planted, but I guarantee you, we, I specifically told him, God wants you to know he wants you to have fun. And that's all, that was all I had to do. All I had to do was be willing to listen to what God was saying and do what he wanted. And then he gave the gifts or the whatever I needed for that instance. Really, whatever he needed. It's not really us, right? And so, you know, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind today that, that he has been, is saved. I really, truly believe that. I never had any contact with him. He was only there that one time, one passing. He was there, somebody had brought him, and then he was gone. Never ran into him again. But I know God cared enough about him to meet him where he was at that exact moment. So I, I really, you know, in the context of, 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 of gifts, it would be easy for us just to, to go into the gifts and start reading about the gifts and see how, but if we don't approach the gifts from the heart of God, which is reaching a lost world, if we don't understand the purpose of what, what those gifts are for, then we'll miss it. We'll miss it. And then we end up doing all sorts of weird stuff with them that really then actually works against because we, we abuse them and then the world sees that, and then we actually have hindered what God's doing instead of helping. And I've completely run off from, from, from my outline, but hey, that's fine. You know, um, there are all sorts of scriptures in the in the Word. You know, if if um, I think one of the biggest lies that's out there right now that we really have to be careful of as as the church, um, and especially new believers, um, is is this idea that there there are multiple ways to, to get to God. And, you know, this kind of plays in the same idea because if, if you entertain the thought that there's some other way to get to God other than Christ, then, then that kind of, in your mind, you don't really think about it, but in your mind that kind of lets you off the hook because there's other, there's other ways to get there. And, you know, the, the scriptures go over and over and over speaking to the fact that, that Jesus is, 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 is the only way to get to God. And if we really believe that, if we really have that embedded, we, we really understand that, then it should put an urgency in us that if that person next to us doesn't know Jesus, 
And it, it, all of this comes out of love. And that, see, that's, that's part of the, it's the catch-22 is that I can stand up here and, and, and tell you, I can give you all the scriptures and we can go over it, but if the fellowship isn't there so that the heart of God is, is not in you and, you and you have love, because love, uh, Frankie, Frankie's sitting here in the front row and he's got a drink sitting next to him. And that, that drink is, is, I'm sitting there looking at it, I'm like, hey, that's acid. That's not too good. And then I see Frankie picks it up and he's get, get, about to take a big swig of it. Right? Well, what is love in its very basic form is looking out for the other person, looking out for what's best for the other person. If I have any love for Frankie whatsoever, I'm going to tell Frankie, Frankie, not such a good idea. Do you realize that's acid? You know? And Frankie, at that point, it's up to Frankie whether or not he decides he wants to drink the acid or not. But, but at least I have a heart of love that I've reached out and said, Frankie, I think that's, that's, that's not a good idea, you know? And then when he continues to do it, I still I go, well, Frankie, you know, I really, I really would like you to reconsider this. It's not a good idea. If, if, but the, the love has to be there in my heart. It has to be there. It, something, something has to be there that makes me care for Frankie. And, that's, and that is the heart of God, that, that, that as we fellowship with him that heart is in us that when we see that person and we see that they don't know christ and we see that that we know that christ is the answer and i see that that frankie is he's he's going down this road and i know that that's not that i would be willing to say something and not feel feel like well i don't want to inconvenience him or i don't want to you know he may think i'm trying to be rude or i don't want to come across as preachy or i mean all the all the excuses i'm I'm telling you those excuses because I, we all wrestle with them. We go, we, we, we see something and, and, and we start rolling through our head the list of all, you know, well, what about this and what about that? And, and, but the reality is if we're in tune with God, if, we, if, we've, if we've matured, if we're spending time with God, if we're knowing, fellowshipping with Him and we, we have His heart, then my, what I've found in my life is that God will push me in the right direction. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't always get it right. But, but I, I have a, a whole lot better, you know, my trust is in him, not in myself. Because if it was up to me, you know, it, it wouldn't happen. Because, you know, be real honest, I'm scared of people sometimes, you know. Especially people I don't know. I mean, how are they going to take it if I... You know that waitress or that that person. You know, if I say if I say something, what's gonna what's gonna happen? And you know, and part of that, I'll tell you, part of that comes from uh, since I'm just being honest with you guys this morning. Part of that comes from growing up having people being somewhat disingenuous, kind of like what I was talking about before. They came up and did something to me in the name of God that didn't have the heart of God. And then I start thinking about, well, I don't want to come across that way. And I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about me, 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 me. And my experiences and my this, my that, my whatever. And it's really not supposed to be about me. It's supposed to be about God and his heart for that person that's standing there. And that's where we get stuck. And if nothing else this morning, really, it's not, this is not, again, it's not condemnation, it's not anything else. This is, as a church, as each person here making up the body of Christ, we need to think about what God is saying this morning. And not only think about it, but do something about it. To, to you know... Whatever it is, whatever change it is that we need to make, but it cannot be just one person. And um, I had asked uh, Cameron to help me with a little skit thing, and I'm not going to do it this morning because um, I, I I don't feel like it's the right deal. But 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 the the, the whole idea is this, you know, that Cameron is going would rush through here, and I've done this before, and it, it's it's pretty interesting. 
that you take one person and they walk up and they say to a person, Jesus loves you, and the person says thank you, and then he goes to the next person. And we time how long it takes him to run through this whole sanctuary and talk to each person here and tell him that. Which is the model that we like to use as the church, that we have the pastor or the missionary or somebody like that, and they're going to be the mouthpiece, and they're going to spread the word for us. And we see that how far behind the eight ball we are because one person can't do it all. And it was never, God never intended the church to be one person trying to do it all. It's supposed to be us as the body. If every person here turns around and says, Jesus loves you, and the person says thank you, and then you go to another person, you know, it takes like five seconds to hit, to, to talk to every person in this sanctuary. If everybody does what they're supposed to do. And that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, God intended the church to be the expression of himself to reach out to others and to, to touch them where they're at. And if, if everybody in this room would really connect with the heart of who God is and understand that that's what he's wanting. And, you know, I, for years I used to think that it was a, a numbers thing. You know, it's, it's like I think evangelistic people have a tendency to, to get caught up in numbers because they want to see as many people saved as, as possible. You know, as time goes on, I don't think that's the way God really intends it to be either. I think it's, it, it may be that you have one or two people that you're ministering to for a while. It's not that he's wanting you. There's some that he calls to go door to door and, and tell everybody, and that's, and, and that's great if that's, if that's what God's called you to. But I think for, for most of us, God puts people in our paths that we just have to be willing to minister to them where they're at. That it's not like we're just frantically running, looking for the next person that we're going to, you know, I'm going to, okay, that person has a target on them. I'm going to go target that person, and I'm going to target that person. I'm gonna... No, we need to follow the Spirit. We need to follow the leading of God, and the person that He's working on, make sure that we're ministering to that person. See, this is all about what God's doing. It has nothing to do about what we're trying to do. It's all about God. So I'm gonna, we're going to close. I want to basically close with um, a scripture. Um, and this is Philippians 1, and this is a prayer um, that Paul had. And, and, and uh, I'm going to pray this, this same thing for us this morning. Um, before I do that, is if you know we've been talking about Christ and we've been talking about, is there anyone here this morning that that you just you know you felt God just calling you that that you have you have never given your life to Christ that there's never been a point in time where you you've asked God to come into your life and be Lord of your life and you want to do that this morning? Is there anybody that would say just raise your hand? So we're gonna we're gonna close with this and and um, with this. And Paul said, "And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ." And so, Father, we just come to you this morning, and, and Lord, we ask that you would open our, our eyes and our ears to, to hear and to see what you're doing in the world around us. Father, that you would make us sensitive to your spirit. Father, that your love would abound in our hearts. Father, that, that the expression of who you are would be manifest in our very lives. Father, we ask that you would show us those things that are hindering us from, from fully partaking in your kingdom. Father, from fully from fully seeing you and to fellowshipping with you and to, to knowing you in an intimate, real way. And Father, I ask that you this week, um, for each person here, would show us those, sh give us supernatural revelations into to, to ways that, that, that uh, the things that you are doing, Lord. Father, wake us up to see 
and then show us how to be partakers of that daily. Father, we give you thanks that you have called us into your family, that you've made us a part of, of your kingdom and, and of your family. And Father, we ask that, that um, that you would restore in us those things that, that, um, that were taken, that were destroyed in the fall. Father, that we would look like you, that we would, we would be sons and daughters of the Most High, expressing the character of our Father. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, guys.